So this morning, uh, we are going to uh, have a little presentation by Cliff and Clark as the wardens, and then a little reflection at the end by me. So, Cliff and Clark, I hand it over to you. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Clark and I are the two wardens, and um, it's our responsibility to ensure the smooth running of, of the parish uh, in all respects, really. Um, including the financial accountability. And every few years we um, need to reflect on um, the way things are going and we have a, a talk about Christian stewardship. And so that's what we want to do with you this morning. So the idea of uh, Christian stewardship, and I'll read this out, it might be a little bit small, is that it's a way of life which acknowledges accountability, reverence, and responsibility before God. The primary goal of stewardship is to promote spiritual growth and strengthen faith. Becoming a steward begins when we believe in God, to whom we give our love, loyalty, and trust, and act on those beliefs. As stewards, we affirm that every aspect of our lives comes as a gift from Him. Stewardship calls on the faithful to cheerfully offer back to God a portion of the gifts with which they have been blessed. And so um, I just re-emphasise the main idea there is that um, we are fortunate people because everything we have been given is from God and as stewards we cheerfully give back in many ways. And some of the ways that we, um, we can give back to God uh, in time, talent, and treasure. I'm very conscious that as a congregation, as a group of Christian people, uh, a, lot of, a lot of our congregation work in many aspects of the community, giving a tremendous amount of their time in lots of different areas. Time is one of the great things that we can do. There are members of this congregation who have uh, given an extraordinary amount of time. And even here in... Um, in the services, just setting up. I mean, the, the, the church was open when you arrived. People had been here for quite a while, had set up. Everything was ready to go. Uh, it doesn't all just happen. We have a lot of people who put a lot of work in in the background all the time. Um, but one thing that you will have noticed is that quite a number of our parishioners have passed, um, and uh, some of the people who are putting in a lot of the time are getting quite elderly. And so one of the things we could perhaps reflect upon is other ways in which we could take responsibility or take over some of those jobs. Another thing is talent, of course. Uh, and once again, people contribute to the, to the work of the parish in lots of different ways. There are people who are in the back that we don't even notice who are doing all the books and counting the money and paying the bills and accounting for everything. There are others providing the music doing service and the, um, um, doing the upfront stuff and the worship, doing all the work in the kitchen. There's just a tremendous number of people providing their talents in various ways. And of course, treasure. Now, um, you will be aware that a lot of the more traditional churches like us are struggling a little bit. Uh, we continually hear of churches within the diocese closing or amalgamating or losing their, their full-time priest and going on to part-time, uh, which is often a bit of a slippery slope. 
Um, we are holding our own to some extent, uh, but the client will go through the figures with you in a moment. But, of course, we need to reassess the way in which we financially assist the, the parish, um, and we would invite you to consider that today as well. Uh, we are fortunate as a parish that we still can afford a full-time vicar. A lot of parishes are not able to do that at the moment. So I'll hand over to Clark at this stage. I get the honour of doing the financials. Um, so our fixed costs, we can't do anything about. They're costs that come every month, every week, and they're made up of vicar's expenses, wages, parish assessments, missions, insurances, maintenance, blah, 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 blah. But when you add all that together, that is what our expense is for the year. <coughs> as best we can project at present, those are this year's figures. Now we have an income, of course, and that's what we currently estimate getting. Uh, 49,000 from offerings, that's $3,000 less than we got last year. We get $30,000 in rent, for the vicarage and the uh, St Francis shelter. Uh, we get around about 4,000 a year at Paul Harridge. Centre point donation uh, currently is set at 66,000 a year. We've got roughly 7,000 from fundraising and that's assuming 5,000 from the cricket uh, fundraiser in January. And we get roughly a miscellaneous uh, amount of $2,000. So that gives us a total of about 158000 Now, as you can see, our expenditure is 171000 and our income is 158000 um, which leaves us at around about $10,000 a year currently that we've got to try and find to make ourselves viable. And the way we're going at present, if we're not careful, we will be dropping down onto a part-time vicar because we won't be able to afford the stipend. And that's made slightly worse on Friday by some nice people deciding that they liked our hot water heater, gas hot water heater, more than we did, and they took it off the outside wall of the church, which has left us with um, uh, having to fork out for a new gas hot water heater around about $3,500 of which the insurance will pay some, but it leaves us with a $1,000 excess that we've got to find. So we're $1,000 worse off than those figures show. So uh, just to uh, start to summarise then, uh, at St George's, many people give their gifts and talents in many ways, and it's, it's what makes this place a very special place. We are very, very careful with our finances. Um, about 10 years ago, we actually had a $30,000 debt, and it took us a long time to, to work that off. At the moment, we don't have a debt. Um, you would have noticed that we've made a lot of uh, improvements around the place. The buildings are all in good condition, the grounds are in good condition. We've done a lot of things 
uh, and those have largely been uh, done through uh, fundraising or getting grants. Um, we haven't used the normal offerings for that sort of thing. Um, and the big project that we've got on for the kitchen uh, is being done through grants. It's not being done uh, through any of the, the money that comes through offerings. But one of the big things we find uh, about managing the place is our costs are fixed. So much of what we do, there's no way that we can avoid those costs. Um, and so we have to um, be very careful uh, to try and control them as best as we can. As you can see from the, uh, the figures on Centrepoint, Centrepoint is a, as our lifesaver. Centrepoint essentially pays the wages of our vicar. If we didn't have Centrepoint, we would, we would be in big trouble. But it's, it's tremendous for us, uh, but it's also very good for the community. And I must say that Centrepoint gives a lot of money uh, to voluntary organisations within the community as well. And, as you saw, we get around about $50,000 from offerings, um, oh, sorry, more than that actually. We get other income from offerings, rent and fundraising. So, uh, we would like you to reflect on how you can help us here at, at St George's. And firstly, uh, in offerings, uh, a few years ago we, we had a similar talk to people and we, we asked people to consider going on to automatic payments. And we found that helped us a lot because automatic payments are going to happen each, each week um, and um, uh, we sort of can understand what our income is more and people don't miss the odd payment here and there. So um, automatic payments uh, are really helpful, thank you very much. But also, of course, giving through the envelopes. Fundraising, um, is a big thing. We try and raise money every year through fundraising. We often only make two or three thousand dollars a year. This year, David Elliott, whose son Grant is a new ex New Zealand cricketer, is putting a lot of time uh, into a fundraiser that Clark mentioned that we hope to make five, six, or seven thousand dollars out of that. But um, if you can just continue to support our fundraisers as much as possible, we had a fundraiser last night. Um, not so much for the church, but for the top uh, parish organisation. And, and we were reasonably well supported, but you know, it would have been nice to have seen more people there. Bequest is something I want to mention to you. Um, maybe you would like to consider thinking of St George's in your world. That's not going to help the day-to-day -day running of the place, but it will help the, the organisation of the church in the future. And we have had a number of people who have said that they have made a bequest um, or are going to have a bequest to the church, but it's really important that it has to be written into the will, because otherwise the families will say, oh no, we're not so keen on that, when it comes to, um, to administering the estate. So if you are thinking of a bequest, um, you can put that into your will, please. And there's a little brochure that you've just received in your um, pre-books today which has information about that. Also helping Centrepoint, I haven't said helping at Centrepoint, it's helping Centrepoint because um, we really do need people to volunteer their time to help at Centrepoint but also if you can just keep thinking, you know, I can put that stuff, I can clear up the cupboards and I can give that material to Centrepoint, they can sell it 
and, um, and as you've seen, it helps us a lot. And lastly, there is that brochure in your um, pew sheet that you've been given this morning. If you could have a look at that. And we just ask you, please, to consider um, reassessing how you are helping here uh, with your time and with your talents and financially. Thank you very much. Thank you, Cliff and Clark. So the next one, if you like, Gavin. Well, the previous one worked as well. Uh, so I get to do the little reflection at the end. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with um, somebody about being Franciscan and our rule of life. Uh, the conversation was about how she was struggling with that concept, really, the concept of our rule, which felt like a whole lot of hoops to jump through uh, in order to earn something. A little bit like how our reading this morning from the Gospel feels like, uh, where you have to have enough oil in the lamp to be allowed to get into the party. That's how that reading is often understood. Uh, more about that maybe in a moment. Um, and her objection was that was for her, God is, as she said, exciting and creative, loving, supportive, joyful. God is the one who draws me close and is near to me. And she said, where does a rule of life with things like simplicity and self-denial and obedience and chastity fit with that? What's all that about? So we had a, a conversation about that and I think I talked about how, for me, God is a God... Uh, who loves me no matter what. I am beloved. That is who I am. That is the ground of my being. So my life then is lived in response to that love. Just as she experienced God as <coughs> exciting and creative and loving and supportive and joyful and her life wanted to be, she wanted to live her life in response to that God, the same God. And I said that my truest response is lived in the way of Francis and Claire. So my rule of life, rather than a whole lot of hoops to jump through to earn something, to make sure I have enough oil so I can get into the party, is actually a response to what I have been given because I am already in the party. I don't have to worry about whether the doors are going to be open or shut. I'm in already. I'm in that party, I'm in that life, so how do I live that life? How do I respond to that life? That's what the rule of life is about. There's no should involved. There is just invitation. And I'm free to go another way if I want, but, and I would still be loved if I did that, but I know that if I did live another way, it would not be truly who I am, and it would not be my truest response to that. I live in this love and out of this love and for this love in the way of simplicity, self-denial, chastity and obedience. One of the things that really bugged this person was that annually we have to report. We have to sit down and we have to kind of reflect on our rule of life and how we've lived that rule of life and how it matches the principles of the order and we have to think about both how we have lived and kept the rule and whether the rule needs to be changed. 
It's a time to intentionally notice our response to God. It's pretty easy to just drift, really. We're not intentional about that. To just think things are going okay. All of us do it. But for us, annually, we have to stop. And to be fair, a number of people kind of gripe about that and moan about that and wonder where that fits with Franciscan spirituality, which is supposed to be free and easy. But it is about how we respond, and it is being intentional about that. And to be fair, compared to, say, the Iona community, it's pretty non-rigorous there. They have to report on all aspects of life, including how they've spent all their money uh, to their whole group. Whereas all we have to do is fill in a little bit of paper and hand it to our chaplain, who then writes nice and warm and encouraging comments and sends it back. So ours is pretty non-threatening, really. But it is a time when we take time to reflect on God's invitation in our lives and how we respond to that invitation. How we are responding to that invitation in particular in the way we live our rule and whether our rule needs to change to reflect how we experience that invitation in our lives. This is not just something we Franciscans should do. To be honest, this is something all of us should do. And that's what Lent and Advent are about, really. Particularly Lent. It is a time to stop and take stock. It is a time to reflect on our lives and to think, how am I responding to God? Well, we're nearly at Advent, so this morning I invite you to take some time to reflect on the big questions. Who is God for you? What is God, who is God inviting you to be? What is the invitation of God in your life? And how do you respond to that invitation? In particular, how do you respond to that invitation in terms of the money you offer the community here at St George's, the time we offer to the mission of God, and the resources we offer in terms of money? These are all tied together. In our recording, these are the things that we report about. So I invite you to take some time now and in the days ahead to reflect on the next slide. In your sheet, uh, there is an invitation, the words of which are up on the screen. You are invited to reflect on your life in response to God. The time you give to St. George's and God's mission, the level and regularity and method of your giving to St. George's, and the possibility of a request to the future benefit, benefit of St. George's. Again, we don't do this because we should. We don't do this because they're about getting enough oil in our lamps to be in a party. We do this in response to the love of God all that God has already offered us. It is our response. So I invite you to prayerfully consider your response as part of your larger responding to the love of God in your life. So instead of saying creed this morning, we're going to spend a few minutes quietly reflecting on that, and then Peter will lead us in the prayer sermon for two.